Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. It's in our honor and privilege this evening, Lord, to come and to worship you, Lord, to remember what you have done in sending your Son for us. The redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. His perfect life traded for our imperfection. His righteousness for our unrighteousness. His white robe for our filthy garments. Lord, we pray that you would help us this evening to just come to your throne room with expectation of not remaining the same people. We hear the message of the cross so often. We hear about Jesus and what he's done. And for some reason, that can leave us unimpacted at times. But Lord, we pray this evening that you would impact us in such a way through your word tonight that our lives would change. That this Good Friday that we celebrate would come, become even better because we could, it could be applied to our lives in such a more intimate way than it has been. And so we ask, Lord, even now, that you would come and speak to us by the power of your spirit, that you would help your word to go forth into soil that's been plowed and prepared to receive that which you would want us to receive today. We lift this time up to you, Lord, and we pray even for our time of communion that will come here in a few moments, that our hearts would be prepared as we remember the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we also want to thank you for this place that we get to inhabit today. This new sanctuary that you have built and that you have uh, called into existence for your purposes. And we ask now, Lord, that you anoint this place. That every seed in this place, God, your spirit would fall upon. Lord, that people would come to know your son in this place. That people would lay down their burdens in this place. That lives would be transformed, Lord. Minds would be renewed. Hearts would be refreshed. Spirits, Lord, would be lifted in this place. Lord, we commit it to you and we thank you for the, the awesome privilege it is to come and worship you here. We ask you to fill this place, Lord, and keep us faithful to bring the message of the cross the only message that changes lives. And so we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, it seems kind of strange that, you know, we, God would have it planned from the foundation of the world that our first service in this place would be on this day. You know, I was thinking about it, and, you know, if it would have been my will... We would have done church last week in this place. And yet the Lord said, you know, I have a perfect plan. And his plan was that we would meet here today on this day. It's not a strange day to actually have an opening for a sanctuary. It's a perfect day. There is no other day that would be better than this day. Because without this day, there would be no gathering. 
Without the cross of Jesus Christ, there'd be no reason for us to be here. And of course, Sunday we'll talk about without the resurrection, there would be no reason for us to be here either. But it's not strange at all. It is incredibly appropriate that we meet today in this sanctuary. As we consider Christ dying on the cross this day and how it affects our lives, that we were dead in our trespasses and yet Christ died for us and faith in Him removes that deadness. He, we become alive in Him. Listen, without the death of Jesus Christ, there could be no forgiveness for our sin, which means there could be no reconciliation between you and the Father. Uh, to put it in camping terms, it means that Literally, without Jesus, we are up the creek without a paddle. Now, there's a lot of different ways to say that, but that's the godly way to say it, right? Listen, it was the blood of Jesus Christ that atoned for our sins as he hung on the cross that day. And that day, too, was appointed. From before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was slain. His life for our life. Uh, Peter declared it in Acts chapter 2, verses, verse 23. He said, this Jesus delivered up according to the uh, definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, was ordained in God's perfect plan. Jesus proclaimed his own death over and over and over to his disciples. He knew it was coming. It was no surprise to him. On this day that he hung on the cross. He said to his disciples. Just a few days before he would die. In Mark chapter 10. Verses 33 through 34. He said see. We are going up to Jerusalem. And the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him. And spit on him. And flog him. And kill him. And after three days. He will rise. The detail that Jesus Christ gave before he even entered, before he stepped foot into Jerusalem on that day, that he would be not only, you know, killed and resurrected on the third day, but he told us how. He told us in great detail that he would be flogged, he would be mocked, he would be beaten, he would be turned over to the hands of the Gentiles, where Pilate would attempt to wash his hands of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he would order the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus understood the purpose for why he must die. He said in Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew that he would become a ransom for all who would believe in him. What's a ransom? It's an instrument of deliverance. And it's for this reason that we come today to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. We call this day Good Friday. And I want to answer a question that I have, and maybe you have too, uh, regarding that. It's also the title of my message. How can this Friday be good? How can this Friday be good? Now, I know most Fridays are good because for the most of us, it's the last day of our work week, right? So Fridays are really good in a lot of cases. But why is this Friday Good Friday? Why this one? This Friday is different. This Friday is actually painful. 
It's like the worst day in the world if you were a follower or a family member of Jesus Christ. It's the most painful day in the world for Mary. Think of it as a mother who would watch her son be beaten and brutalized by an angry mob. Think about watching her son be lacerated with a cat of nine tails to be beaten and brutalized and, and, and to be swollen up to the point that you couldn't even recognize his face. And then to watch him be crucified before your eyes. As a mother. As a mother. It's not a good day for her. It was in fact the worst day of her entire life. To watch this happen. Maybe some of you mothers know what that feels like. To lose a child. The mourning, the pain. My mom, who has lost a child, says it's like having part of you cut out. The pain and the anguish of losing a child. Mary experienced that this day, the day that we call Good Friday. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They were not just following Jesus, but they were his friends. They were his best friends. In fact, three of them were his best of best friends. So much so that they felt so comfortable in asking Jesus, two of them, for the right and the left hand of his uh, uh, seats in heaven. They were his good friends. They loved him very much. They watched as he was betrayed the night before he was crucified by one of their very own with a kiss. Oh, Judas didn't just betray Jesus that night. Judas betrayed the entire clan that night when he came up to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? And he betrayed him with a kiss. Not only that, would they become sorrowful and angry? They must have been because they watched him do that, but... Maybe these disciples were too preoccupied with the fact that they, had be, they have abandoned Jesus Christ there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the sorrow and the shame that must have felt upon them that evening as they departed their best friend, their rabbi, the one whom they called Lord. And they would run away on the day that He needed them the most. They departed and they ran. They abandoned Jesus in his greatest time of need. And perhaps you know what that feels like. To be betrayed. To be abandoned. The pain you experience as both a recipient and executor. Equally, not just something that you just shrug off right away. It hurts to be betrayed, to be abandoned. So much so that Judas would hang himself the next day and cast away those 30 pieces of silver that he received for betraying Jesus Christ. Listen, that kind of pain cuts deep. And so these are not really good days, are they? Have you considered that maybe some of our best days actually involve pain? Have you ever considered that? 
we live in a humanistic mindset or in a, in a culture that, that says that, you know, something that is good is something that, you know, immediately benefits me. But if there's any involvement of suffering or pain in it, that it couldn't be good. And yet that is a false perception of what good is. The definition that God, or God has defined good something entirely different than what we call it. Maybe you've lost a loved one who's been battling long-term illness. And you say, well, now they're finally set free. It would have been a good thing at that point. Not that you long for your loved one to go away, but you long for the suffering to stop. And so it was a good thing that they departed the earth, particularly if they knew the Lord. But you understand what I'm saying. When you exercise, it involves pain. Ask my wife. She took LaDonna's class last Tuesday. And she said her legs hurt bad. That's a good kind of pain. But pain is involved. But it's good pain. There is pain that's good. And in this particular case, God is telling us that this is a good kind of pain. The pain that Jesus Christ suffered. It's a good kind of pain. From heaven's perspective, this day was a good day. In fact, it was the greatest of days because without it, all of humanity would be lost. The Father longed to have us reconciled to Himself and so He sent His Son. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 tonight. I just want to read a few things that the Apostle Paul wrote regarding what Jesus Christ did for us the day that He died. Romans chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 6 through 8. Here's what it says, the Apostle Paul writing says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now uh, that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Listen, Jesus Paul tells us Jesus Christ came for the weak. That word in the Greek, it literally means for the helpless, for, for, for people that cannot help themselves. Now, contrary to popular belief, God does not help those who help themselves. God helps those who cannot help themselves. That's what this scripture says right here, that he came for the weak. Those are the ones that need Jesus. It's the sick that need Him, not those who are well. And notice that Paul says that it was at the right time that Christ came. It was not a moment too soon, not a moment too late, because God's timing is perfect. God doesn't make mistakes, period. And He does not make mistakes regarding His timing. 
uh, we know this, and yet when things are happening in our, that aren't in our time frame, we can get frustrated. But God doesn't uh, make mistakes with His timing. It was nearly 4,000 years had passed before Jesus came. He gave uh, the word in the Garden of Eden where He said, I will send a Savior. The seed of the woman will crush the enemy. He said that would happen. Uh, fast forward 4,000 years. Here comes Jesus Christ. All of creation was waiting and waiting and waiting for Christ to appear. But it was in God's time. And that time was the right time. And when Jesus came, He lived for 33 years. That was the right time for Him to live. 33 specific years approximately. And then He would lay down His life, His sinless life. At the right time. Not a moment too soon. Not a moment late. It was right at the right time Christ died for us. I want you to know that whatever you're experiencing in life this evening. Know that it's at the right time. God didn't bring it into your life too soon. And He didn't bring it into your life too late. He brought it into your life at the right time. And He's given you and equipped you and filled you with the Spirit of God. And He will see you through it. You trust Him. He's with you in your troubles and tribulations. He's going to see you through it. So trust Him. Uh, what did Paul say? Who did, he, who did Christ die for? It says there, for the ungodly. We know what that means. Oh, that means me. That means you. That means us. Sinners. That's who Jesus Christ died for. And we ought to be incredibly thankful to God for His timing and sending Jesus for the ungodly, for you and for me, for us. Because without Jesus coming at the right time, we could have not been able to receive forgiveness that we were so in desperately need of. Listen, most of us here, I would say maybe venture to say all of us here are Gentiles. Is there any Jews here? No Jews here. Listen, you... Are you? You're Jewish? Okay, well, here's my point, is this. That for most of us in this room tonight, without Jesus Christ coming into our lives, without Jesus Christ coming to earth, you and I would virtually have no chance of knowing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know that? Because the Jews were not reaching out to the Gentiles. That wasn't what they were doing. They were called to be a light to the world, and yet they were not. And God sent His Son for that purpose, to be the light of the world, to share the gospel not just with one section of people, but with all people, because God loves everyone. And so most of us tonight, without Jesus coming at the right time for us, would have no hope for eternal life, or with, with Him in heaven. We'll all have eternal life, but not with Him outside of Jesus Christ. Listen, you and I, we need Jesus more today than we ever have. We need more Jesus more today than we ever have because we're sinners. And sinners need saving. And that's why Jesus came to save us. It was His blood that atoned for our sin. Paul, Paul says that we were justified by Jesus Christ. It's a judicial word that means to make right. We were wrong and Jesus made us right. Listen, we have been tried 
and we have been found uh, uh, unguilty. We have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, and we have been set free from the highest court of heaven, you and I, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we're dead in our sin. Justification could not be made. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. Listen to this. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's impossible. The sacrificial system of the day in the Old Testament, even when Jesus was on earth, they had that going. But listen, the purpose was never a means of salvation. It was simply a means of temporary atonement until Jesus Christ came. It was never supposed to be a, we can, we can get to God this way. We can live with, you know, we can come to Him in our own merit. And every once in a while, we can sacrifice an animal and we're good. That's not the way it works. Uh, we find that the writer of Hebrews says, without Jesus Christ, the blood of bulls and goats is meaningless. But because it's, a, it's foreshadowing Jesus Christ, because it's pointing to Jesus, that's what makes the difference. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I don't know how people get to the place where they believe that they can approach God in their own merit. I know me. You know you. You know who you are. You know what your thoughts are. You know how you, how you appear one way to people and then another way when you're in private. You know yourself. And yet, why do people lie to themselves? Listen, it does me no good to impress you at all. It does me no good. The one I ought to be worried about is him. He is the only one that I ought to be worried about. And he tells me I can't approach him on my own. He tells me I have to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the true Lamb of God that would not simply cover our sin, but would take it away. He died so that we could live. As for his death, as for his life and death this evening, we have to consider also his love. For what he did for us nearly 2,000 years ago was the greatest act of love that has ever been committed. Jesus said it himself in John 15, 13, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Ephesians 5, 2 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, if you're here this evening and you're wondering if God loves you, do we need to read any more scripture? God loves you. He demonstrated his love for you by sending his son. And Paul would say, by allowing him to die while you were yet a sinner. He loves us. Only Jesus could do that for you. 
He loves you right here, right now, not in some distant future when you are perfected and you are better than you are today. He loves you right where you are right now. So many people make the mistake of trying to clean themselves up before they come to God. I've got to get my life together. God would never want me. God wants you right where you are. He loves you right where you are. And listen, if we try and approach Him on our own merit, then we become, well, an abomination to Him. Because we are filthy. We have to come through Christ. That means we have to come just as we are. We have to recognize the fact of the matter is that we're not good. But He is. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, for us. He loves us. He wants us to know that while you are yet still a sinner, Christ died. He demonstrated His love for us. This day is called good, for it was the Father's will. And if it is the Father's will, then it is good, because our Father is what? A good, good Father, isn't He? He's a good, good Father, and His will is good for us. And yet we question that too. Well, I don't see how this could be good for me, Lord. I don't understand how, you know, if your will would be for me to lose my job, how would that be good for me? Maybe he's got something better planned for you. Ever thought of that? He's a good, good father. The enemy is constantly trying to defame him, decharacterize him in your mind to bring him down. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is good, he was good, and he will always be good. And so you can trust him in that. Take him at his word. Isaiah 53, 10 and 11 said, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. It is good Friday because it was a God-ordained Friday where, where Jesus Christ changed everything. God ordained this from the beginning of time. The flogging, the mocking, the rejection, the crucifixion. All part of God's plan that Jesus might become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was a good day. In that respect, Paul goes on to talk about reconciliation. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. That means that he came to restore us to the proper place of relationship with our father. That was lost in the Garden of Eden. That proper relationship, the relationship that God created you to be in from before the foundation of the world was lost in the Garden of Eden. Jesus Christ came to give you that back. To put you into that proper place. To reconcile you. To give you that which you already had. He wants to restore you. And yet you can only be restored through the blood of Christ. Jesus becomes the bridge between heaven and earth. And he is the only way. That we can regain what was lost in the garden. Go back and read Genesis chapter 3. Read about God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. The relationship that was there. That's what God wants for you. But you have to come through this, the blood of Christ. Good Friday is good because it's where we are restored with our creator. It couldn't have happened without Jesus coming. And so we're here today 
to remember his great act of love of laying down his life for us. And in just a moment, we're going to partake of communion. And we're going to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. The body that was broken for us. The blood that was shed for us. That we could be forgiven. But we're reminded in the scripture to not come flippantly to that. This is not just another Good Friday. Although it comes every year. You know, a resurrection weekend comes every year and we go through our thing and, and you know, maybe uh, we, we, we want to be, um, be closer to the Lord. And so we're, we come and we're like, okay, I'm going to do, do the religious thing for a little bit. And hey, you guys are here, so that's not you. But there are many people that will come here on Sunday morning that that is their mi mindset. That they come and their purpose is to either appease some family member or try and find some favor with God by showing up. And the reality is without the blood of Christ, you can't please the Lord. Without the blood of Christ, without faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot please Him. And so as we partake of communion tonight, be reminded of the great and wonderful thing that God has done for us in sending His Son. Don't let it just be another night. But truly, consider what these elements mean. The body, the bread that we will partake of, the symbol of the body of Jesus Christ that was perfect, sinless. And yet He would trade it in for you. That His blood, so pure, that He would spill on your behalf so that you could be pure. He would trade everything to have you in relationship with His Father. And so tonight, we want to be mindful of that as we come into this time of communion. And we do this in remembrance of Him. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.